So like I said, tonight's drosh is going to be all about Halloween. If you would like the notes for this drosh, and if you would like the drosh slides that you see on screen right now, go down below and click on the link for this post. It'll take you directly to that article on GodHonestTruth.com. It'll have the video, the drosh slides. It'll have the notes that we took for Halloween right there so that you can go on past this and do your own research for yourself, just like the Bereans did with the Apostle Paul. And we always invite you to go forth and do your own research to verify if what we've been telling you is true and to get more information on the subject anyways. Speaking of that, in the notes that we have on the post for Halloween, like with all our notes, there's going to be a whole lot there that we did not include in the Drosh slides. We could have included everything and it would have been so much longer. This Drosh is already going to be long enough as it is. So if you'd like more information, again, go check out those Drosh slides. You can click on the link down below for that. And that link should be there. Even if you're listening on the audio podcasting platforms like Amazon, Spotify, iHeartMusic, iTunes, etc., etc., The link should still be down there in the description. And of course, if it's not, go to GodHonestTruth.com and it'll be right there under the listing for Halloween. Now, we read in Scripture in Numbers 25, verses 1 through 3. And Yisrael dwelt in Shittim, and the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab, and they invited the people to the slaughterings of their mighty ones. And the people ate and bowed down to their mighty ones. Thus Yisrael was joined to Baal Peor, and the displeasure of Yahweh burned against Yisrael. So here the people of Israel are going in to Moab, and they're partaking of the pagan rituals that they were doing there in that land. And this caused Yahweh to not be happy with them, to put it mildly. Okay? But remember that name, Baal, because it's going to come up again and again tonight. It's actually not a name, but we'll get into that in just a moment. Matthew 12, 27. Here is our Messiah Yeshua speaking, referring to the adversary, Hasatan, as Beelzebub. And here it reads, And if I, by Beelzebul, do cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Because of this, they shall be your judges. Now, of course, this name, Beelzebul, is the same name as Baalzevuv in the Old Testament, or the Tanakh. We read in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 2, And Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Shomeron and was injured, and sent messengers and said to them, Go, inquire of Baalzevuv, the mighty one of Ekron, if I shall recover from this injury. Now, in a lot of translations that we see, especially the English ones I've looked at, it will have this word, I'm sorry, this phrase, Baalzevuv, as one word, Beelzebub, right? You've probably heard that before. But in the Hebrew, it's actually two words. It's Baal and Zavuv. Baal means something like Lord, Master, or it could even refer to a husband. Someone who has control and authority, stuff like that. So Baal is actually not a name. It's a title. Zavuv means fly. So the phrase Baal Zavuv or Beelzebub 
means Lord of the Flies. And this is what Yeshua was referring to Satan as, as Baalzevuv, Lord of the Flies. Now, why is this important? It's all going to come together. Think about it like this. In the Tanakh, when the people went in and they'd done pagan things like the ways of the nations where they were going to or passing through, Yahweh was extremely upset with them because going after these other gods and doing the pagan practices of these other gods was like a wife committing adultery against her husband. This is the metaphor that's used throughout the Tanakh where Yahweh is metaphorically in covenant in marriage with his people. So going after another God and doing the ways of another God is like a wife going after another man instead of the man she's married to. So ask yourself real quick. We know that in the Tanakh, we're told not to go after the ways of the nations, but that some of these nations did things like burning their children to Molech Baal, right? Or Molech. Real simple, what if we started doing that as Yahweh's people? Well, obviously, that would not be good. It would invoke the wrath of Yahweh, right? But what if we, you know, took out the sacrificing thing? We do away with the human sacrifice. And instead, we just, you know, put like a sticker on it or a Christian name on it. You know, rename it something different. I mean, still same practices, still got the same origin. Would that make it okay? We'll call it something different. Put a Jesus sticker on it. Well, Scripture goes on to tell us in Deuteronomy 12, 29-30. When Yahweh your Elohim does cut off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, guard yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire about their mighty ones, saying, How did these nations serve their mighty ones, and let me do so too? Let's reread that real quick. You do not inquire about their mighty ones, saying, How did these nations serve their mighty ones, and let me do so too? Do not do like the pagans are doing. Plain and simple. Proverbs 8.36 But he who sins against me injures himself. All who hate me love death. All who hate Yahweh love death. So if you're loving death, if you're celebrating death, you're not loving Yahweh. You're hating Yahweh. 3 John 1.11 Beloved ones, do not imitate the evil, but the good. The one who is doing good is of Elohim, but he who is doing evil has not seen Elohim. Do not imitate the evil. Keep that in your mind, as well as all these other verses that we just went over. Because we're going to be learning about this holiday of Halloween, how it relates to us, and how we should go about it with a biblical mindset. And here at God Honest Truth Ministries, we are striving to do biblical things in biblical ways. So if this is not a biblical holiday, we want to know about it. 
If it is, we want to do it in biblical ways. Okay? So, again, make sure to remember all these verses that we've got down. And if you need to go back and check, check on the um, post on GodHonestTruth.com for all those notes and the Drosh slides. So where does Halloween come from? What is its origins? Well, its origins, from everything I can find out, actually comes from the Celtic people. The whole tradition originated with the Celts about 2,000 years ago. And it started with the Celtic Festival of Samhain. If you look at it in English, as you see on the screen here, it might be, you might think it pronounced it Samhain, but in the Celtic tongue, it's more like Samhain. The Celtic New Year, just like a lot of different cultures all around the world, have various New Years throughout the year, right? Or their New Year starts at different points around the year. But the Celtic New Year started on November 1st. And the Celts associated winter with darkness, coldness, death, things like that. This is all going to tie in and play together. Now, during the peak of it, the Celtic people actually had lots of... I won't say they had lots of territory, but it's the, that's not actually accurate. The Celts weren't a nation, like you would think of America or Russia or Rome. They were a people group, but they weren't a nation. They were comprised of various tribes here and there, but they were spread out all over the place. And even though they weren't a unified nation, still they had a common culture that they spread amongst themselves. And you can see that this influence of their culture spread far throughout the known world of that time. Now, on October 31st, which was the end of the Celtic New Year, it was believed that the barrier between the living and the dead was either destroyed or thinned or blurred, allowing spirits to come and go from the land of the living to the land of the dead back and forth. And it was believed that on the evening of October 31st, that the spirits of the dead would once again come among us. They would walk among us, kind of live among us or be among us in other words so sometimes this really wasn't good especially if it was an evil spirit and the Celts believed that dressing up as the spirits would allow them to blend in with these roaming spirits so that they would not be noticed by the spirits and not draw attention to themselves starting to sound familiar this is the pagan Celts we're talking about here now, the Druids, who were the Celtic priests and for lots of purposes were the leaders of Celtic civilization, on Samhain, they would build these sacred bonfires that they considered to be sacred. They would throw things in it like crops and various animals as a sacrifice in these bonfires. The Druids would also throw cats that were contained within wicker cages into these fires for the purpose of divination. Divination is the act of trying to determine what the gods were trying to communicate regarding a particular subject or things in general. Now, in the book Halloween from Pagan Ritual to Party Night, Nicholas Rogers writes, Firstborn sacrifices are mentioned in a poem in the Dindsinctus, I don't speak Gaelic, so... Anyways, 
which records that children were sacrificed each Samhain to the idol Krom Kruach, the lord of the mound, at Mag Select in County Cavan. So, during this festival of Samhain, there was human sacrifices that went on to include, most likely, young children. Firstborn sacrifices. One of the ways that they did these human sacrifices was something called the wicker man. They would build these this big statuesque thing of like a man. And inside it, they would put human beings and other various animals and then set it afire as a sacrifice to their gods to try and appease them for various purposes. Now, this year, I actually run across something very, very interesting. is a documentary on Celtic paganism. And this is from someone called Tony Robinson. And I've edited this down to show you the relevant clips about the Druids. And yeah, well, anyways, you'll see. Very, very interesting. If you'd like to see the full video, it is down in the links. I'm sorry, in the notes that we took for this episode, I'm sorry, for this subject of Halloween. Very interesting. It goes into a lot of other stuff in this video, but this part you're going to see right now is just about the Wicker Man. Hope you enjoy. And pagan altars were places of human sacrifice and murder. Horrifically, the Celts believed the spirits of nature also demanded human sacrifices. I want to know who the Celts would have chosen for such a terrible fate, and why such extreme violence was necessary. Each method of killing was designed to appeal to a different god. The more that were used, the greater the number of deities that would be pleased. It's a bit different from the Christian Holy Communion, isn't it? Sacrificing one life may seem barbaric enough, but there were times the Celts believed this was not enough. I'm about to find out the horrifying measures they took to appease their gods when threatened with invasion. Ritual slaughter on an almost industrial scale for use only in the direst of crises. The Wicker Man is a terrifying Celtic construction that respected classical writers described. It's thought it was like a colossal pagan altar built in the form of a hollow wooden man. Once constructed, it would have been filled with people and animals and set ablaze. The Wicker Man was an act of mass human sacrifice, a desperate cry for help. And for Sir Barry Cunliffe, it's stark evidence the Celtic gods were bloodthirsty and cruel. Do you think people thought the gods looked after them personally? Not at all. There's no sense of the, uh, the loving god or anything like that, or the loving gods. They were tricky. You could never trust a god. They're not uh, nice, are they? Not nice at all, no. They could uh, demand things of you. Uh, they could trick you in every way. And if you didn't do it right, if you didn't get the ritual right, you'd had it. So, so you were in fear of the gods the whole time. 
It's possible the Celts built Wicca men as mass human sacrifices to their gods of war. Do you think people would have gone in kicking and screaming, or do you think that there might have been a sort of self-sacrificial element to it? There could well have been a self-sacrificial element. One or two of the classical writers say that uh, they use criminals, and if they couldn't find criminals, they'd uh, use anyone. But there is quite a lot of evidence that people went willingly to their death. People would have thought it was a, the right thing to do, to sacrifice themselves for the well-being of others. Volunteering to be burnt alive inside a wicker man would have been the ultimate act of Celtic religious devotion. Isn't it fantastic? You can almost feel the power of that structure standing there. Their futures were hanging on it. Uh, they wanted the gods to love it. They wanted the gods to love them. And these weren't people who were used to bloody spectacle in the way that we are on television and in the films. Um, absolutely not. No, they, they were used to human sacrifice, but that was on a much smaller scale. This was human sacrifice on the most colossal scale. The lighting of the Wicker Man would have been a moment of divine hope for spectators and unimaginable fear for the sacrificial victims inside. So when the brand was actually thrown into the Wicker Man... All hell would be let loose, literally all hell would be let loose with the burning, the crackling sound, the screams... And the smell. The smell would have been awful. You can imagine the, the, the roasting bodies. Every, every sense would have been attacked. This was the moment when the souls or the spirits were going to go up uh, to the gods of the sky. Look at it go, look at it go. Everything going up to the gods, look at that. If the Wicker Man was a final plea to the gods of the Celts to stop the Roman invasion, it failed. Even a thousand years on, Christians still honour pagan festivals. Think of the winter solstice at Christmas and the spring equinox at Easter. And one heavenly entity? I don't think so. What about the Virgin Mary and the huge pantheon of Christian saints? Paganism has shaped our history. And in many ways, paganism lives on. We talk about the Wicker Man within the Druid Celts. Now we have something in today's day and age called Burning Man. It's a festival that's held out in the Nevada desert every year. And it's fueled by drugs and fornication, all sorts of hedonism. It was originally started and celebrated on the winter solstice, but that got moved later on to, I think it's the weekend before Labor Day. So yeah, there's... Burning Man there. Luckily, there's no human sacrifices, but we can see the connection fairly simply. Now, every culture in society or in the world that we know of has various celebration and veneration of 
the dead, days of the dead, things like that. Like you hear it in Mexico and all around the world, actually, except for biblical cultures. But anyways, Rome was no different. Rome had days in veneration of the dead as well. One of those celebrations of the dead was a festival called Lemuria. That was celebrated on May 9th, 11th, and 13th. Remember those days real quick, especially May 13th. There was some superstition that surrounded the Romans about even-numbered days as being bad or almost kind of evil. So that's why they had these odd days like 9th, 11th, and 13th. On these days, Rome would the Romans would perform certain rites to exorcise the malevolent and fearful ghosts of the dead from their homes. Start seeing a connection here already? Again, this is all going to play into everything as it goes out. They would also throw black beans over the shoulder at night as part of their superstition and observance of Lemuria. By 43 CE of the Common Era, Rome had conquered most of the territory that was held by the Celts. Now, if you remember from the map that we put up earlier, the Celts were spread over a vast territory of the known world at that time. And Rome, as we know through history, went up and conquered most of that land. And when they did, they had still had to govern the people who retained their culture and their religious practices, including various things like Samhain. So Rome combined Samhain with two of their festivals that they already held in the autumn of the year. This was Feralia, which occurred in late November and was to commemorate the passing of the dead. They also combined it with Pomona, whose symbol is the apple, and where we get our modern tradition of bobbing for apples on Halloween. Now, when the Roman Empire transformed into the Roman Catholic Church, then Catholicism started having things to do with these festivals as well. In 609 of the Common Era, Pope Boniface IV establishes May 13th as All Martyrs Day. Now remember, Rome had Lemuria on May 13th as a celebration of the dead. Now Catholicism is coming up with a Christian holiday for the dead called All Martyrs Day. Later, Pope Gregory III moved the day to November 1st and included saints as well as martyrs in the remembrance. So it wasn't just martyrs, but now saints as well. There was a lot of other people got included later on through history too. Then in 1000 of the Common Era, the church, the Roman Catholic Church, established All Souls Day on the following day, November 2nd. And All Souls Day was celebrated in a similar fashion to Samhain with bonfires, parades, and dressing up as various things like saints, angels, demons, devils, all that sorts of stuff. Yeah, and supposedly a Christian event by the Christian church at the time, but still celebrated in pagan ways. I again implore you to recall the verses we read at the beginning of this drosh. So then we move on and we have All Saints Day, which is November 1st. It was also referred to as All Hallows or All Hallows Mass. 
because it's the Catholic Church, and why not have a mass for everything, right? And the night before All Hallows' Mass was called All Hallows' Eve. And this is the same night, October 31st, that Samhain was held. So they're absorbing this pagan festival into Christianity. And this All Hallows' Eve is actually where we get our word, Halloween. Trick-or-treating, which we are also familiar with, is partly associated with the Catholic practice of souling in medieval times, where the poor would go door-to-door begging for soul cakes in exchange for prayers for the dead. Now, when you look through Scripture, you do not ever get anything like praying for the dead, communing with the dead. That is not biblical practice. But yet, Catholicism and paganism does this. In fact, in Scripture, it says not to have anything to do with spiritists or mediums or those who commune with the dead. In fact, Scripture tells us that the dead have fallen asleep. So they're not even conscious to commune with us anyways. It's something to think about. And we'll be getting into a lot of those verses coming up also. Now, to kind of steer away from Catholicism just a little bit, Protestants also have a connection to Halloween or All Hallows' Eve as well. And that is through the protest by Martin Luther. Now, on November 1st, All Souls' Day, the Catholics would present various relics and things like that at some of these churches and cathedrals that they controlled to bring in, let's just say it, money. Okay? But it would be a great showing up of Catholic adherence. Well, on the day before November 1st, All Souls Day, Martin Luther went up on All Hallows' Eve, October 31st, and posted his 95 Thesis. And it would be a great time for him to do that because the following day, people would be coming up to the church for All Souls Day for all these relics and stuff, and they would be able to see this paper that he posted with his 95 protest, right? Where we get the word Protestant from. So that's the connection that Protestants have with Halloween or All Hallows Eve rather. And then moving on through history, we go on to America. And the history of Halloween in America kind of got a slow start, actually. It doesn't really come from the very beginning of America. Now, Halloween was originally very limited in America because of Protestant beliefs. A lot of times back in those days, Protestants would not do the same thing that Catholics did because they realized where these Catholic ideas and practices came from. Same thing with Halloween in the early days. But due to immigration and things like that, Halloween began to spread throughout America. And this really accelerated during the second half of the 19th century when America was flooded with new immigrants, especially people from Ireland and Scotland. A lot of the places where the Celts traditionally lived. And of course, when people go from one place to another, they don't just leave everything behind. They take some of their belongings with them, but they also take their culture and their religious practices. 
and with these Irish, these Celts that came during the Great Potato Famine, they brought their practice of things like Halloween, their ancient Druidic superstitions and religious rites with them to America. So it got more and more incorporated into the American tradition that we now know in today's day and age as Halloween. So what about some various traditions that surround Halloween? Where did all that come from? So the Irish, I'm sorry, the jack-o'-lantern comes from the Irish mythical tale about someone named Tricky Jack. And the story goes, won't get too long on this, but one of the instances, Tricky Jack was in a bar drinking with Satan and he tricked Satan and eventually they reached a deal and Tricky Jack let Satan go. Another time, Tricky Jack conned Satan to going up into an apple tree to get him an apple. And while Satan was up there, he carved the sign of the cross on the trunk, which prevented Satan from getting down. As a result of this, Satan made a deal with Tricky Jack that he would not hold him in hell if he would just let him down. Tricky Jack agreed, took away the sign of the cross, and Satan was able to get out of the tree. Now, again, this is all just folklore, okay? Didn't actually happen. So when Tricky Jack died, like all humans do, he was sent down to hell because they had reached a agreement earlier on in Jack's life. Satan did not hold him in hell, but sent him on his way. And the history of the jack-o'-lantern, here an excerpt writes, The way was dark, and Jack, unable to see his way out from hell, requested something to light his path. The devil then tossed a hot burning coal ember for Jack to carry. This ember would never burn out since it was from the flames of hell. Since the coal burnt his hands, Jack looked for a vessel to carry to use to carry this coal and eventually came across a turnip which he carved to create a lantern. So the original jack-o'-lantern was a turnip. And this is actually a picture of a carved out turnip, the original jack-o'-lantern, as it were. And it looks like something from South America, one of those shrunken heads kind of things, but it's actually a vegetable that's been carved out as a jack-o'-lantern. Well, when the immigrants came to America, there was something much more abundant and much easier to carve out than a turnip. And that is, of course, the pumpkin. And this is where the modern day jack-o'-lantern comes from, is the story of Tricky Jack and the Celtic folklore of his deal with the devil. But again, originally the jack-o'-lantern was a carved out turnip. So as far as costumes and trick-or-treating go, is that during some Celtic celebrations of Samhain, Villagers disguised themselves in costumes made of animal skins to drive away phantom visitors, the spirit. Banquet tables were prepared and food was left out to placate unwelcome spirits. In later centuries, people began dressing as ghosts, demons, and other malevolent creatures, performing antics in exchange for food or drinks. That comes from the history of trick-or-treating on history.com. So, you can kind of see even some connections here with um, the practices that go on with Christmas as well and Santa Claus, right? These ghosts and demons within the Samhain celebration by the Celts. 
But going on from the history of trick-or-treating again, poor people would visit the houses of wealthier families and receive pastries called soul cakes in exchange for a promise to pray for the souls of the homeowner's dead relatives. Known as souling, the practice was later taken up by children who would go from door to door asking for gifts such as food, money, and ale. This is the Catholic portion of it. They would go again asking for treats and in exchange they said they would pray for the dead loved ones of the gifters. Again, a non-biblical practice. So witches. Witches have been around for eons and were often thought to have mystical powers partly because of their connection to Satan or the spirit world. Their most notorious gatherings were thought to happen during the two major season changes on April 30th and, of course, October 31st. This comes from Halloween.com. This is one of the high days for those in Wicca. Witches, wizards, warlocks, things like that. Halloween is a major day for them. But you don't find that in Scripture. Speaking of Scripture, what does Scripture itself have to say about Halloween? I mean, if we were looking to Scripture, where would we find Halloween in the words of Yahweh? Well, I've looked, and I cannot find celebration of Halloween anywhere. In fact, we find something a lot different. Now, with Catholicism using syncretism to absorb all these pagan festivals and stuff like that, when they absorb the birthday of Sol Invictus and Saturnalia and all these other things at the end of December, they named it the originally the Feast of the Nativity, but it eventually became known as Christ Mass and then Christmas even though it all came from paganism, but they gave a reason for it. They said, oh, this is because Christ was born on this day, even though he wasn't. But they give various reasons like that to try to explain and convince people that it's actually Christian. They did the same thing for Easter, too. But they didn't do this for Halloween for some odd reason. I mean, they brought in All Souls Day, you know, things like that, but they didn't really explain from Scripture about why people should consider this as Christian. And there's lots of instances where they could have done so. For instance, in Matthew 27, it reads that when Yeshua died, that the spirits, or I'm sorry, the bodies of the saints came out of the tomb and they were seen by many. They could have rationalized it through that verse. In the end times, when it talks about the dead rising first when Yeshua comes. They could have spun it that way somehow, I guess. I don't know. When King Saul went and entreated of the medium and spoke with the spirit of Samuel, they could have used that as well. Now, a lot of people, including myself, think he didn't actually speak with Samuel. That was actually a demon. But judge for yourself and decide for yourself. And, of course, all the people like Lazarus, who were raised from the dead, right? There's many occurrences of people being raised from the dead like Lazarus was, but they don't use that as a way to rationalize it and get people to believe that Halloween is Christian. They just don't. 
which I'm kind of glad they did because that's one less thing to disprove. It's a lot easier to show that Halloween is pagan and satanic. From Ecclesiastes 9.5, For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not, nor do they have any more reward, for their remembrance is forgotten. The dead know not. The dead have fallen asleep, and we cannot commune with them, and they do not walk around among us as ghosts or spirits or things like that. They are just simply waiting there, unconscious, until the end of days when all the just and the unjust, will be resurrected on the day of judgment. Acts 2.34 For Dawid did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, Yeshua, I'm sorry, Yahweh said to my master, sit at my right hand. So even here, after the death, burial, and resurrection, it's still stating that King Dawid is not in heaven. Okay, just like the rest of us. The only person who died and was raised again and is now in heaven, is Yeshua. Now, he's not going to come around and haunt anyone. So we don't have all these dead spirits, stuff like that, and any festival or holiday that purports that these things do happen is not a biblical holiday. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-17 Do not become unequally, unevenly yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? And what agreement has Messiah with Belial? Or what part does a believer have with an unbeliever? And what union has the dwelling place of Elohim with idols? For you are a dwelling place of the living Elohim, as Elohim has said. I shall dwell in them and walk among them, and I shall be their Elohim, and they shall be my people." Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says Yahweh, and do not touch what is unclean, and I shall receive you. So here it's saying, do not be unequally yoked with the things of darkness. What is Halloween? It's a celebration of death and demons and darkness. And here it says, we, have, we should have no fellowship with things of darkness darkness, and that Messiah is not in cahoots with Belial, with Satan, and that we should come out from among them and be separate from them. There are plenty of things to do that are from Scripture. We just got done doing Sukkot, which was a blessing and a wonderful time, but now we're learning about Halloween, and we're learning that we should stay away from these dark things like this. 1 Corinthians 10, 20-21 No, but what the nations slaughter, they slaughter to demons and not to Elohim. And I do not wish you to become sharers with demons. You are not able to drink the cup of the master and the cup of demons. You are not able to partake of the table of the master and of the table of demons. Again, one of the themes of Halloween is demons and devils and evil spirits and things like that. 1 Corinthians 10, 20-21 says that I do not wish you to become sharers with demons. Not to be like these demons. Do not have any association with them. Do not share events and holidays with them. Halloween. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 2. Thus said Yahweh, 
Do not learn the ways of the nations, and do not be awed by the signs of the heavens, for the nations are awed by them. Do not learn the ways of the nations. What does that mean? It says, do not learn the ways that those outside of the God's people do not learn their ways and start doing them. We read that earlier, right? Do not do these things. Do not do like the nations. Do not do like the Celts. Do not do like the Druids. Do not do like Samhain, which we know of today as Halloween. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 29 through 30. When Yahweh your Elohim does cut off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, guard yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them, after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire about their mighty ones, saying, How did these nations serve their mighty ones? And let me do so too. Do not do like the nations do. Leviticus 18.3 Do not do as they do in the land of Mitzrayim, where you dwell, and do not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, and do not walk in their laws. Matthew 7.16-20 By their fruits you shall know them. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every good tree yields good fruit, but a rotten tree yields wicked fruit. A good tree is unable to yield wicked fruit, and a rotten tree to yield good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, by their fruits you shall know them. Good fruit are things of scripture. Bad fruit is things of paganism. So are you doing the good fruit of scripture? Like Sukkot, Pesach, Shavuot? Shabbat, things like that? Or are you exhibiting bad fruit? Things like the celebration of Samhain, Ishtar, Saturnalia. Judge for yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. And what agreement has Messiah with Belial? Or what part does a believer have with an unbeliever? Why should we be out doing the things of the unbeliever? Proverbs 8.36 But he who sins against me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Again, Halloween is a celebration of death. And those who love death hate Yahweh. You can't get no simpler than that. So if you have any doubts in your mind about Halloween, we probably should have covered it already in this drosh. If not, here's some more. Revelation chapter 6, verse 8. And I looked and saw a green horse, sometimes translated as a pale horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death, and Sheol followed with him. And authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and by the beast of the earth. So death is one of these bad end time things as it already is now. So why would we want to go around celebrating death and demons and devils and paganism and things like that? Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 through 12. 
Let no one be found among you who practices divination or a user of magic or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these is an abomination to Yahweh. And because of these abominations, Yahweh, your Elohim, drives them out from before you. Do not call up the dead. Do not consult with a medium or a spiritist. No celebration of the dead. Communing with the dead, celebrating the dead, things like that. Do not do like the pagans do. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 15. And now, fear Yahweh, serve him in perfection and in truth, and put away the mighty ones which your fathers served beyond the river and in Mitzrayim, and serve Yahweh. And if it seems evil in your eyes to serve Yahweh, choose for yourselves this day whom you are going to serve, whether the mighty ones which your fathers served that were beyond the river, or the mighty ones of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But I and my house, we serve Yahweh. So choose this day. Are you going to serve Yahweh in the things of Scripture? Are you going to serve the ways of the world to include pagan things like the Druidic festival of Samhain? Like Joshua said, I say the same. As for me and my house, we shall serve Yahweh. Former Satanist who is now a pastor says no, Christians should not celebrate it. Well, 25 years, uh, eight years old, boy, little boy, eight years old, demon church, learned being trained by high ranked devil worshippers, warlock and spiritual witches. I sold my soul to the devil, got married in Halloween, had a demonic wedding in Halloween. I baptized my daughter to the dark side at the age of 11. I, I breathed, ate, and slept witchcraft. Knowing what you came from and what you used to do, you're pretty um, discouraged that you see Christians celebrating Halloween. Why? I, 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 I don't know how you can cheat on God. Why would you put your kids, your family, why would you put your purpose, your destiny, why would you put your whole eternity in a demonic altar? And, to, and, and, and top of that, I'm Tom LeVayne said, out of his mouth, you know, he, he, used to, he, he was the ruler of the Church of Satan, mm -hmm. right? Out of his mouth, he said, I want to thank every Christian parent for allowing their child to celebrate Halloween one time a year, the devil's holiday. That is the trick of the devil. I'd rather be right with God. You'd be mad with me, but at least you'll make heaven. Yes. God told me to speak the truth. You know, Amen. I'm just a mailman. Amen. But when I leave this world, I'll make Jesus Christ proud. Amen. And heaven will rejoice. Hell will rejoice because I left the battlefield. But in conclusion, Halloween, of course, is of pagan origin. Festival of Samhain from the Celtic Druids. Halloween is contrary to Scripture. It's a celebration and observance of the dead, communing with the dead, things like that, all these things that Scripture tells us not to do. And Scripture teaches against these pagan practices, such as Halloween. And that's just the God-honest truth. So again, we hope that you learned something from this teaching. And if you did, make sure to go down below. Let us know what it is that you learned. And also while you're down there, be sure to hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, and hit the share button. And share it around with someone you know so that others may learn more about this holiday of Halloween, where it came from, and how it relates to Scripture.
Thank you for joining us for another production from God Honest Truth Ministries. We hope that we have been of service to you, and if you have any feedback, then please reach out to us by email. And make sure to visit our website at GodHonestTruth.com for more information, resources, and contact.